Thank you, Mike. Sure. Greetings. And uh, my wife is ministering this morning, uh, so I'll be doing healing school tonight. But so uh, if you can make it tonight, I'll be looking forward to ministering God's uh, healing power and the word of God along the lines of healing. And uh, just uh, along with what Mike said, Pastor Mike, that we've uh, known each other for a lot of years. And I just want to say that uh, it's really good to see um, what's going on here at the church. Uh, I like the praise and worship was awesome. Just proud of you guys, proud of you as a church, and just keep on keeping on. God bless. Praise God. You ready to go? Yeah, ready to go. Uh, I'll just add on to something that Tony said. You guys have been a blessing with us for a long, long time. Um, We have a a couple schools in Papua New Guinea, and uh, also a, a home for children in Nepal, and you've helped us with that, and so, um, yeah, it's just good to be here. You've been with us in the way that you've blessed us and and prayed and been a support to us, but it's nice to be with you in the rain. You know, whenever it rains in California, I always think of that song. I know, I know. They know that song around the world, but... um, I, I believe that um, there is a, a rain from heaven, something from heaven, something that only God can give. And so we welcome the rain. Aren't we glad for the rain? Wow. I reckon that California needs rain. But I reckon also that California needs, the whole world needs what only heaven can give. Praise the Lord. So uh, we're definitely uh, going to look into the word of God today. Are you ready to do that? You guys do that every Sunday, don't you? I'm thankful that you have a good place to come. Every time you come together, you know there's going to be a good meal. It's going to be something fresh, something true, something that will make a difference in your life. So it's an honor to, to, um, to be here. Like Tony said, it's an honor to be here uh, in the church. We've respected you, uh, your pastors for a long time. And there are our friends when you can respect your friends, that's great, isn't it? Especially after you've known them for so long. When he said 40 years, that sounded old. But I, it is what it is. That's what he said. It's, it is what it is. Praise God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word that never, ever passes away. The Bible says that heaven and earth could actually pass away, but your word would not. We sang today about that rock that will not move. And I thank you, your word and you are one. When we look into your word, Father, we're thanking you for eyes to see you, ways to interact with you, that through the written word we can participate walk with, work with, live with the, the living word, Jesus Christ. Lord, we bless you today. We praise you in this place today. We thank you that everything we sang about today is true. Father, we thank you that as we look into your word humbly to receive the truth of it, 
that uh, you give us grace to not just be hearer of it, but to be also a doer of it. In Jesus' precious name, can you agree with that? Amen. All right. Well, um, so wow, we've had an inauguration this last week. Yeah, this whole world is watching, and we got to be here when um, when it happened. Not everything that happens are we here. We're seldom here, but uh, we were here this year when that happened. And so uh, this has been going around and around in my heart this whole week. And so uh, we're just going to share what he has given to us, going to pass it on to you. And so I don't know exactly what to call it. Maybe you can come up with something at the end. Um, but I did, co- I did remember some old quotes from some people that have passed off of the scene. Uh, this one is from Abraham Lincoln. It says that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. Somehow when I read that, it spoke completely something fresh uh, now than what it said at the time when Abraham Lincoln gave it at the Gettysburg Address. At that time, the nation was not just cut, it was, it was torn. There was a tremendous amount of, of division in the nation. And so he spoke into God's purpose for this nation being united. There's something that can happen when we're united that cannot happen when we're, when we're in disunity. So he, he said this, these words, this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. When I read that, I thought, um, there can be a political freedom, there can be a new wave of, of economical, you know, revitalization and a, a wave of a burst of, of new energy and, and inventions and all kinds of different things. But you and I have come to know that you can have access to all kinds of things um, Financially, you can have access to all kinds of things educationally, technologically, and be absolutely bound. Freedom, true freedom, is found in one person, and that's in Jesus Christ. So I just believe, I just declare those old words today that... um, there is um, there's something that God wants for us to experience in this, in this country, and that is a new birth of freedom, real freedom in Jesus. And that the government, and this is the part we want to look at real close to, the government of the people, by the people, and for the people, shall not perish from the earth. But what stood out to me was of the people, by the people, and for the people. And so a a government, not of one political party or the other political party, but of something that he focused on was the people 
of the United States, a government that represents the people. Now, I'm going to go on to another um, quote that came to my mind this last week. This is the preamble of the Constitution of the United States, and it says, We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and on and on it goes. But the first words of the preamble of the Constitution says, We, the people. So in the Gettysburg Address, it was this government for the people, of the people, and to the people. In the preamble, we, the people. So the focus is not on Washington, D.C. It's not on a political party. It's on the people. Before that, someone spoke with even greater authority, words that will never, ever fade away. And this is in 1 Timothy, the second chapter. Paul said this by the Holy Spirit. So we've heard from, from Abraham Lincoln. And before Abraham Lincoln was the, the founders and the writers of the Constitution. But before that, we hear something from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. And he said this, first of all, I urge the petitions, prayers, requests, givings of thanks be offered to God for all people. For kings, for all others who are in authority that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life with all reverence toward God and with proper conduct. This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to come to know the truth. For there is one God, and there is one who brings God and human beings together, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself to redeem the human race. That was the proof of the right time that God wants everyone to be saved, and that is why I was sent as an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles to proclaim the message of faith and truth. I am not lying. I'm telling the truth. Now, let's look at this scripture. I love this scripture. He says that all these different kinds of prayers, prayer supplications, intercessions, and givings of thanks would be made for all people. Then jump down to verse 4. And notice that he would have all men or all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So in between verse 1 and verse 4 is a strategy of God to help God's will happen for the people. Verse 1 starts with this, this instruction for all people, prayer for all people, so that all people can be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And what he says to do is to pray for kings and for all that are in authority that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So he gives us this strategy to pray. If we're going to pray for all people, it must include praying for kings and for all that are in authority, the influencers of the people. But before he even gets to 
praying for kings and for all that are in authority, his first directive is to pray, be mindful of, be aware of all people. It is possible <laughs> that you and I, or any other person, can get self-absorbed. You can get, you can get into yourself, into your family, into your own world, into your business, into your school, into your future, into what is in, in your life. And this verse of scripture does what, um, what God did to Abraham when he spoke to him one time in a field. He said, look up from the place where you now stand. Look up and look. This verse of scripture does that. It gets you out of just your own kitchen and around the, pe- the, around the people that are around that table and around, you know, uh, your friend's table and where you work and helps us to look at the people. So the target of, of love that God has in his heart is for the whole world. God so loved what? Thank God he loved me. I love, I love you know, how it says in, um, uh, you know, those little songs that we teach kids. Yes, Jesus loves me. And another one, I am so glad that Jesus loves me. But Paul told the church in Corinth, he did what he did for me, but he did it also for the whole world. God loves everybody. And so the work of redemption was for me, is for me, and would have been for just me. But the fact of the matter is, it wasn't just for me. It's for everyone. So let's look in this verse of Scripture just a little bit, this portion of Scripture a little bit more, and see something here. He says here, who wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then just keep reading, for there's one God, there's one, one uh, who brings God and man and human beings together, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself, now look at this next phrase, to redeem the whole human race. So now twice, in just this, this short amount of time, he's saying that God's will, God's purpose, God's intention is for everyone to be saved. And not only is his will for everyone to be saved, but the price necessary for everyone to be saved was paid by the redemption that Jesus did in his, in his death burial and in his resurrection. Now just keep going wants everyone to be saved, that was the proof at the right time that God wants, here now three times, wants everyone to be saved. And that's why I was sent to be an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. So here we go. Notice that when Paul first starts this instruction to Timothy, who's then going to teach his his church about prayer, He's telling them to pray for all men, for kings that are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But the instruction doesn't stop there. Our goal 
as, as American citizens. Our goal is to, to vote, is to, is to um, participate in community, and do whatever we can so that we can lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Isn't that truth? We, we want things to be godly. We want things to be honest. We want things to be secure. We want things to be safe. We want things to be right and whole. But that is not the whole agenda of God. As an American citizen, that's where we would put the full stop on the sentence. As a citizen of heaven, there's more to read. So our desire is that we lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But let's keep going. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Keep going. Who would have all men to be saved? That's our agenda. Our agenda is his. We want things whole and right and, and good legislation and good leadership and honesty and all. But the intent and the target is not just a good society. You can have people in a society, a good society, living morally and and wholesomely, and, and everything good and proper. And those people, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, still will go into an eternity without God. God's goal is not just to have a wholesome society. God's goal is that we would come to the knowledge of the truth that people would be born again. And because that is God's heart and we're his children, guess what? That's our heart. That's our commission. So we fulfill what we are to fulfill and we participate and and we work together as, as citizens of this country. But that's not our only responsibility because you and I are citizens of two, of heaven. And there is a heavenly agenda. And God's will is that everyone be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And in this portion of scripture, he says it three times. Did he say it three times because he forgot he said it before? And he just stuttered on it? He said it three times and in the Bible, if anything repeats does it for emphasis, like, it, like you do with a hammer driving in a nail. Every single time, it drives it in. And so this truth is driven in in, this short, in these short verses. God wants everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God's heart is for people. Let's keep going. Now, it says he wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth. To the truth. Um, truth is an interesting thing. Truth for some people is different than truth for somebody else. I remember, uh, and you remember, when Jesus stood before Pilate 
And Pilate said this to Jesus. He said, what is truth? Because Jesus said he come to bear witness of the truth. And Pilate said, what is truth? Pilate didn't know that he could actually reach out and touch the personification of truth himself. Jesus is truth. So people's rendition of truth can be interesting. I, I saw this about um, from Abraham Lincoln, too. It was in the, a list of interesting quotes that I got that first one in. This one says, The shepherd drives the wolf from the sheep, for which the sheep thank the shepherd as his liberator, while the wolf denounces him for the same act as the destroyer of liberty. Plainly, the sheep and the wolf have not agreed upon the definition of liberty. So truth makes people free. Our quest and our goal for freedom, if it's outside of truth, is going to put somebody else in bondage. Somebody's freedom is at somebody else's expense unless that freedom has come by way of truth. And truth is defined truly in what Jesus is and what he says. So the scripture is very plain about this. He wants everyone to be saved. God's will is for everyone to be saved, but he doesn't just stop there and come to the knowledge of truth. Because what does truth do for people who know it? It makes you free. A country that just pursues freedom and liberty apart from truth will end up having some people free in their expression at the expense of other people and becoming more bound. But a people who come to freedom through truth are truly free. Truly free. Let me give you just a, a really, really simple example. How about just within the marriage context? I've had this happen before where I have talked to the Lord about my husband because I thought that in me telling him about, you know, my situation or the way I was perceiving things, that he'd gang up with me against him. And I'd get my way, and, I'd, and he would fix him for me. So I'll tell, tell the Lord all about the whole situation. And the Lord wouldn't even talk to me about him. He just started talking to me about me. I think, yo, didn't you hear what I started this prayer out with? Don't change the subject. It was, a, it was on him. But what the Lord did then was give me truth that would make me free, but it would also be freedom for our, our relationship. Do you see how that goes? It's never at the expense of somebody else. Truth lifts. Praise the Lord. Well, let's just keep going along this line then. Here's, here's something. First John, the fourth chapter, 
Jesus said this, or first John, John said this by the Holy Spirit. He said, greater, say it with me, greater is he that is than he that is, that is in the world. And so if we are going to work together with him, work together with God as not only citizens in this country, of this country, but citizens also of heaven, then we work together with the greater one. We work together with the Holy Spirit to bring truth. So this, this family church is here on this hill as a place where, um, I, I liked what you said, that we don't have to do life alone. We don't have to. We can... We can be with, and we're to be. God meant for us to be with one another and for one another. Expressions of him to one another. Praise the Lord for that. But we are also uh, a light set on a hill. We are, uh, we are dispensers. A church family is a dispenser of light in a dark place. Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. But then he said in another place, he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. And the little kids sing this little light of mine. And a, and, and a, a light singularly can be amazing in a dark place. But when you put those lights together, as a family church is, lights together makes a brighter and a more brilliant light that affects a greater radius of people. And there it is again, of people. The reason we congregate is not just for us, but that through us, the will of God the light of God and the truth of God can get out to the people. The people. God has an intention for the people. And it's something that cannot be legislated. It's something that cannot uh, be forced upon people. It's something that has to be emulated through the church, through the members of the body of Christ, that is light in a dark place. Praise the name of the Lord. So we are dispensers together with him because greater is he that's in us. He's in us. Not to just put us singularly, privately, personally over in life, but he is in us to accomplish his will through us for the people. It should make a difference that we are here. It makes a difference that he is here in us, but it's, it makes a difference that he is in us. When we are congregated as a church, it makes a difference in this area, an impact in this area of light, of life, of truth, that truth can make people free. So we're going to look at some practical ways of dispensing Truth, dispensing the will of God, not, not um, 
forcing it on people, but dispensing it so that people have a right to see, have, um, have the access to the light, the truth that can make them free. Something that I liked here that Paul said uh, back here in this First Timothy 2, he said, because of all of this, that God wants everybody to be saved, he said, that's why I was sent as an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, to proclaim the message of faith. Well, you say, well, I'm not an apostle. I'm not a... But what we are, we all share the same great commission from the Lord Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We all share that. It's an, it is an apostolic um, sending or it's an apostolic purpose in our life. Even if it isn't an apostolic call, you might not be an apostle yourself, but we live under a commission that, that sends us to preach the gospel to every creature so that his truth can make people free. Well, in that, in that, there are ways that we can actively and efficiently dispense his will and his love and his purpose. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I was thinking about, um, and I actually looked at some YouTube clips yesterday of uh, those blankets that they have devised to swallow up or to cover, smother fire. Has anybody in here ever used one of those things? Yeah, neither have I. But they're, they're really clever. I think we've mostly seen those, uh, seen extinguishers, you know. But um, I watched how that you could use one of those blankets, and it showed a kitchen fire in a pan. And it gave, it gave a number, you know, once the, the fire ignites, it starts clicking in seconds, how, how fast it builds up in that pan and it starts going up. And then this man goes over to uh, this blanket thing in a packet hanging on the kitchen wall. And I was thinking, I, it was red and ugly. I don't know if anybody would actually hang one of those things on their kitchen wall. But anyway, um, it, was, it was interesting. He went over and there was this, this packet on the, on the kitchen wall and he took it out. And it showed how to, how to do it. And, um, and all the while, this fire is building in the kitchen or on the stove, you know, in the pan. Is, and the fire is going up. And so he just very, it said, keep calm. So he demonstrated calmness. He wasn't hollering, fire, fire, you know, he wasn't doing anything. He was just very calmly with this uh, blanket going over to the stove and this fire was coming up out of the pan and he just went over to it and he laid the blanket down on it and then he just stepped back and the fire or the blanket did the work. It just overcame what was in that pan. And I thought about this as children of God cooperating with him for his will to be done 
his will for all men to be saved, his will for the people of this country, people who have all different kinds of opinions, all different kinds of passions, all kinds of different beliefs. How do you even approach that? Sometimes we can just clump and congregate, but what he really wants us to do is infiltrate and make a difference. And how we can do that with what we're talking about here with this blanket. Paul in Romans said this. He said, don't be overcome with evil, but fight it. Make war on evil. With every opportunity that you have, hit against it, fight against it, speak out against it. Is that what the Bible says in Romans? Does anybody? No, he didn't say that. He said, don't be overcome with evil. But he said what? Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. What you and I have in us as the greater one lives on the inside of us has the ability to overcome what is ever evil. It's greater than any evil. Even if there is wickedness or um, violence or unrest or strife, what he is on the inside of us is greater. The thing is, is dispensing it, getting it out of the packet and putting it on the fire so that what he is and who he is can make the difference. Let me give you an example. Love is greater than hate. But what happens when there is hate in manifestation, it's an act of the flesh, acting up in the flesh, but it'll try to pull, pull us in. So hate will make you want to hate. If somebody hits you, it makes you want to do something back, either hit back, if that's the kind of personality you have, hit back. Or retreat and and be more like a turtle and and hide. But you're not just going to do nothing. This verse of scripture says, don't be overcome with evil. Don't participate or become a part of the evil. Instead, overcome evil with what? With good. And we have good because the greater is he that is in us. Greater is he who has love and is love, but it's dispensing it like that blanket, getting it out of the package and putting it on. So love is greater than hate. Love, however, when you think about love, is not, um, it's not just schmaltzy. It's not just condoning. It's not. Just tolerance, like, it's okay. Everything is okay. That's not love. You think about how much God so loved the world, uh, a world that was lost in sin, enemies of God, 
God didn't just say, it's okay. Everybody to their own thing. He didn't just tolerate the world's sin. He did something about it. He didn't attack the sin, but what he did with his love was he became a sacrifice for that sin. Amazing, isn't it? Love is greater. We sang that this morning. It won't fail, but it's got to be taken out of the package and put on the fire. It's actually got to be applied to the hate. It has to be used. Love in the way that God demonstrated his love was that while we were enemies of his, while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He did something. So love isn't just observing or even worse yet, just looking away and hiding our eyes. Love is aggressively doing something about it. So we're going to be practical about that in just a bit. Proverbs uh, 10 verse 12 said this, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. I like that. Because that gave, uh, it was like that picture of that fire blanket. Love covers it. It isn't like, I just condone everything. Everything is all just okay. But love also doesn't condemn or pour fire on the, uh, pour gas on the fire. Love doesn't condone, but it doesn't condemn. It covers. All right? So let's look at something else that is contrasting uh, with us as children of God to dispense his will for all men to be saved. In us is not only love, but in us, because he is the prince of peace, in us is peace. Peace, just like love, is greater than strife. Peace is greater than disunity. Peace is greater than things that are fractured. He is peace. The Bible said he is the prince of peace. Let me just say some things about peace. Because sometimes when we think about peace, peace isn't the strong characteristic of God sometimes in our thinking. It's more the, the pillow. It's more the, the cushion part of God, the soft part of God. The peace, peace is sweet. But actually from scripture, peace is far more powerful than that concept of peace. And from the scripture, it says this, in Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your heart and mind. Well, if peace is going to rule in a heart and a mind, it can't just be something that um, has no strength in it, something that just lays there. And it's just peace. It's just like a pillow, just floating. No, peace is powerful. It says this in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind. 
Romans 16 and verse 20 says, God, the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Well, the Bible describes God as a God of, of, of all kinds of different things. God of love, God of power, God of authority. But this verse of scripture says the God will bruise Satan under your feet says it's a God of peace that will bruise Satan under your feet. Seems like the description of, of God in this context doesn't match bruising him under your feet. God of peace will do that? Well, peace must be more powerful than what we have, have thought of before. And it is. It is. John 16 and verse 33 Jesus said this, he said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And then in John 14 in verse 27, he said, peace I give to you, peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, but what I give to you. And he was getting ready to go away. He was telling his disciples he's getting ready to go back to the Father. And he says, what I'm going to give you is peace. You think, well, can't you like give us a, like a bulletproof something? Or can't you give us like some heavy artillery or something? What's peace going to do for us? Ephesians 6, after Paul goes through the armor, uh, you know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the girdle of truth. And then he, he shods our feet with the gospel of peace. That's like, in, in sometime our concept of peace, that's like putting, putting house slippers, like with, with feathers and stuff. You would never see our, our soldiers in, in wherever they are in the world, and they have all of their gear on. We were on the, on the plane the other uh, couple days ago with a bunch of them going, going uh, to one of the forts. I can't remember where. I can't remember that fort in South Carolina anyway. But none of them, their feet did not have any of those like feathery slippers on. They had all of their other gear on, and then they have just little bedroom slippers. No. As far as military is concerned, it's really important what you have on your feet. And what's on your feet needs to be strong and be able to endure heat, be able to endure pointy things and horrible terrain, cold, all kinds of things. And here, God says, I'm shotting your feet with the preparation of the gospel of Peace. Peace is far more powerful. And he, as the Prince of Peace, lives on the inside of us. Go in your Bible to Mark, the fourth chapter. Mark 4. And I'd like us to look at this story. In verse 35, and on the same day when the evening come, 
he'd said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. That's amazing. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So you, you have to picture this. These guys are in this boat out on the sea, and there's this storm, and the, the water that's supposed to be on the outside of the boat is now coming on the inside of the boat, and these guys that are professional at being on the water have run out of options of getting it out of uh, this, all this water out of the boat. They finally wake him up, and how he's been able to sleep through all of this is amazing. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? He arose, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm, but he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it you have no faith? They exceedingly feared and said to one another, Who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Now, in Scripture, when God is talking about a mass of people, at times they're referred as a body of water or the waters. And so he'll, he'll use this um, example or metaphor as an, a way to describe a mass of people. They're described as a body of water. His voice is on the, the face of the waters. And, um, and so when I look at this story in this context about people, I see that Jesus and his disciples are out among the people. And suddenly there came a storm. And the, the people were, the, the, the waters were riled up. And what used to be calm was riled up. And it began to be a very dangerous situation. What Jesus did, I believe, is an example for us to know what to do right now in our society, right now in our situation, and for this country. When Jesus woke up, he did two things. He used his authority to rebuke the wind. Now, the wind is something you cannot see. And there are forces that blow upon and influence masses of people that you cannot see. There are voices that, yes, you can hear, and there are some people that you can see. But behind those, there are influences that we cannot see spiritual forces that blow upon the sea, the water, the people, and make people begin to rage. What Jesus did when he stood up in the boat is he first of all addressed what could not be seen. You guys, 
I know in this church you're, you're taught well about the authority that we have in the name of Jesus and as believers. You have that authority not because you're an American citizen. You have that authority because you're a child of God. What you can do as an American citizen, do. But what you and I can do as a child of God, we must do. We can address what cannot be seen. And Jesus did. He stood up in that boat and he rebuked not the people. He rebuked what could not be seen. And it doesn't say what he said when he rebuked it, but that's, that word is strong. He rebuked the wind. Why? Because without that wind's influence upon the sea, the sea would have been calm, would not have been in the way that it was. He rebuked the wind. We can do that. If we see uprisings among the people by the authority that we have in the name of Jesus, we can rebuke that influence. And he didn't stop there. Because exercising the will of God for the people is not just about what you're against. Jesus said this in Matthew um, 18. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You say what isn't legal or lawful according to God, and then you do permit what is. And so what we see demonstrated in Jesus, he rebuked the wind, and then he said to the sea, peace. And he put that fire blanket of peace on that water, and it calmed down. Praise the name of the Lord. You and I have authority in Jesus' name to do just that. Rebuke what is not right. But then, that greater peace, greater than strife. Now, what is so cool, we are, we're, we come together as a church. We are ecclesia, but we're only here for couple hours on Sunday morning and then uh, Wednesday night when you come back here Sunday night but all in all not that many hours in a whole week but God strategically has us where he wants us all through the week to dispense and we've only looked today at love and peace there are other everything he is you can dispense that If you're in a depressing situation, you don't have to become a part of that depressing, whinging, complaining environment. 
You can have the joy of the Lord right there. Amen? But anyway, we're just looking at love and peace today. Don't keep them in the package. Get them out and put it on the fire. Um, it works. Just like that fire blanket work that I saw in those YouTube examples. It works when you work it. When you use your authority, rebuke what's not right. Declare the peace of God. Now, um, years, uh, I'll just give you an example. Um, when Tony, Tony and I now have been in Australia, 10 years is hard to believe, but it's been 10 years. When we first went, moved there, uh, one day, um, I don't know, but probably it was a few months when, after we had moved there, I was watching the news, which over there, I ha- I, it's very uncommon to watch the news. I just hard, I, I don't know why that day I just decided to turn on the news. And it was in the daytime. So I was just sitting in front of the TV, and um, there came on. They started telling about uh, some racial riots that were breaking uh, down in Melbourne. And, um, and they were attacking Indian people. And so there was a, a taxi driver, an Indian man, who was stabbed 11 times and was in critical condition. They were reporting that. It just, it was a breaking news. And so I was just sitting there in my living room, and uh, this is what I'm talking about. You want to get stuff out from this greater place on the inside. So I, there was something that I saw, you know, when I was watching that, that, that triggered the compassion of God. I said, I don't know who that man is, but Lord, I ask you for mercy for that man. Help that man. Help the people that are helping him right now. And send labors to that man in Jesus' name. Wasn't a long prayer. Wasn't a long prayer at all. I just, but I, I reached my hand out and just prayed that really short prayer and then went on my way, forgot about it. A couple years later, Tony and I had a conference down in Melbourne, and we uh, came in the middle of that conference during the middle of a meeting. So we told the pastor, please don't send anybody for us. Let them stay in the conference. We'll take a taxi. And it was a long way from the church. So we jumped in a taxi, the first taxi that was in the line there. And uh, normally you get in the back. Tony got in the front. And I got in the back, and I'm thinking, why did he get in the front? And, um, and so I'm thinking that, and, but he got in the front. And so uh, we noticed when we got in that that taxi cab driver, of course, they drive on this side, you know, on, on the opposite side, that there was, um, there was a, a cage around him. It was kind of like a plexiglass or some kind of a defense, a real strong substance of what it, so, some sort. Anyway, he was in this cage. And so Tony, uh, being so discreet, says, well, I see they got you in a cage. <laughs> he said, did they, did they make those cages because of the stabbings in Melbourne? And I was sitting in the back, and I could see the rearview mirror in that man's eyes. 
And his eyes got real big. And uh, so uh, I spoke up from the back seat because I could tell that guy was kind of scared. I said, oh, you know what? This is going to be an easy trip for you. We're going to be so nice to you. (laughs) You don't have to worry about anything from us. So Tony started talking to him about food because Tony likes things about food. And so um, we had come to, um, while we lived in Singapore, appreciate Indian food and spices. And he, you know, was contrasting with Italian stuff. So he's asking him about food. And then he's asking him what part of India he's from. And then they start, he's, they, one thing led to another. And he finds out that he is Hindu. And then they talk about all kinds of stuff. And Tony talks to him about the Lord. And then they just got quiet for a while, and we just rode in silence for a while. And I, I was just praying. I found out later Tony was just praying under our breath. And then finally, um, Tony starts talking a little bit more. He says, would you ha- like to ask Jesus to come into your heart? Because he had told him about the Lord. And the man said, yes, I do. And so Tony said, well, what, do you want to pray right now? You want to follow me in a prayer? The man said, no, I want to wait till we get to the hotel because I want to pay attention to what I pray. So uh, we just rode on, got in, pulled up in front of the hotel. The man put the car in, in park and um, turned off the car. And then Tony said, are you ready to pray? And the man said, yes, I am. And so Tony led him in a prayer to lead him uh, to the Lord, asked Jesus to come into his heart and life. And, um, and that man prayed that prayer real sincerely. And I'm sitting in the back, but I, I, had, I was so excited. I, I got up in between, you know. <laughs> and I'm, so I'm kind of in between Tony and the other man. And when they finished the prayer, I told the man, I said, Do you know, God has such a purpose and a plan for your life. My husband and I could have gotten into any taxi, but we got into yours. He wanted you to know that he loves you and he has a purpose for your life. And the man said, oh, I believe that. He said, a couple years ago, I was stabbed 11 times. And I was laid out on the, I, I, they, somebody found me bleeding out on the side of the road. Anyway. He pulled up his shirt and showed us all these stab wounds, showed us where that a doctor had cut open his chest and massaged his heart, kept him alive. I said, God saved you back then so he could really save you right now. So, and then we got him hooked up with, um, uh, there was an Indian man in the church that we were going to that was on staff there got him hooked up with that. But what I'm saying, sometimes we think that when we're watching TV or watching the news and seeing uprisings and all kind of things, well, that's there. Oh, isn't that terrible? Isn't that terrible what they're doing? Do something about it. If there's a fire burning in your, on your kitchen stove, you don't stand in the living room and just observe it and say, oh, look at in that a sad thing. That fire just burning up my wall and then it's burning up my kitchen. Now it's burning up my house. Do something. Grab what's on the inside of it. Greater is he that's... But that's not just a cliche. 
I've given you two things today. We've just talked real briefly, two things that are in us because he's in us. His love and his peace. But it doesn't do anybody any good just on the inside of you. Get it out. Get it out. You see in something reported on the news that isn't right. Take, take Jesus' example. Rebuke those influences on the people. and Speak peace. Ask for help. Blessings. Amen? Let the devil have it. But let's be for the people. God wants to do great things in this country for the people. For people to come to him. To the knowledge of the truth. And he's going to use us to help do this. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. Well... I'd like us to pray. We're going to, in prayer school tonight, we're going to pray again tonight. But I'd like us to pray. This is the first Sunday um, after the president has been inaugurated. It would be a catastrophe. I'm not talking about uh, um, in a natural sense. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. It would be absolutely a catastrophe for us as a church to just, you know, turn the whole ball of wax over to the president and say, do, do your deal. He does need to do his deal, but there is a deal that the church can do because we have been seated with him in heavenly places, with Christ in heavenly places, far above any throne or principality or any station of authority. And it's from this place that we use our authority in the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. If the musicians can come, I'd like to, for us to pray together. Can we do that today? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your peace. Peace that passes all understanding. We can have it just like we were singing today, even in really, really difficult circumstances. We have that peace. We have access to that peace because you're in our, in our boat, <laughs> in our life. I pray, Father, for anybody here who does not have that peace, that Jesus is not in their life. I pray, Father, for anybody here who is not absolutely sure that everything is right between them and God. They don't have peace between them and God. I pray, Father, that today would be the day and they make peace with God. Help them to know that peace with you comes through accepting Jesus. It's not through being perfect, doing good deeds. Peace with you comes through accepting Jesus. I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here who's never asked Jesus into their heart, that they would do so. 
I'm going to pray a prayer. And I would like for all of us to pray this prayer together. You pray this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for me. I believe you love me. I believe you sent Jesus for me and that he died for my sin. I accept what he did for me and I ask him to come into my heart and be my Lord, to be my God. I accept what he did for me today and I call him Lord. Now I'm going to pray another prayer. And if because of choices that you, any one of you have made since you've been born again, that has made you not have peace, choices that you've made or a way of thinking, things that are happening in your life around you, why don't you just pray a prayer? And I'd like all of us to pray it again. Pray this after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge that Jesus and his truth is my only way for freedom, true freedom. Jesus, I trust you. I look to you. I embrace you for my freedom. I don't try to do my own thing. To think my own thought. I come to you for what is true. And I receive that truth today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are my peace. Can you just put your hands up to him? Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you for peace. For peace in people's hearts and souls, their minds. Peace and wholeness in people's bodies. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that healing is happening in digestive systems. Thank you, Father. Praise the name of Jesus. Peace in minds. Clarity in minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, could we stand and pray then for... Praise the name of the Lord. Father... We pray according to 1 Timothy, the second chapter, and verse 1. We thank you for the privilege of prayer. We're so thankful we have the highest power to pray to, and that it makes a difference when we pray. And today we pray for the people of America. Whether what, no matter what party they are, Democratic, Republican, Independent, nothing. We pray for the people of America. 
those that were born here, those who have moved here. We pray for those who have come here, even with evil intention. We declare that you have a different intention for them. We pray for the people that are in this country. And according to your word, in an obedience to your word, we pray for the people. We lift up the people. Can we do that together? We pray for them, Father God. We thank you that all over this country, our churches, people who believe in Jesus Christ, and that this morning, through the church, through Zion, will be dispensed love that casts out fear and that people that are responding today through fear, responding violently through fear, in Jesus' name we come against that force or that influence on their lives. In Jesus' name, dissipate, stop being, stop that maneuver against those people. We pray for those people. Let's go ahead and just with your own heart and your own voice, you pray for groups of people. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for them. We ask you, we ask you for your love to be manifested to them, that the truth would be given to them, that labors would come to them, that they would see the truth, they would receive it, they would hear it, they would know it. Hallelujah. And that truth would make them free. In Jesus' name, we pray for the people. We pray for the people of, uh, of California. We pray for those who, co- who see things completely different than us. Completely different. We pray for them today. And instead of cursing them, we bless them. We ask you to help them. We ask you that light would be given to them. And that we we pray, Father God, that labors would be sent to them. But today we speak to all these peoples of California. Peace be still. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let's just thank God for the name of Jesus and the power of that name, the love and the life and the peace that's in that name. Lord, we just are so thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, I pray that as we go through this week, that you would direct our eyes, you would direct our um, ears, you would direct where we go and Father God, I thank you that you'll have us be in the right place at the right time as peacemakers. Not just peacekeepers, peacemakers. You said in your word in Matthew 25 that those that make peace would be called the children of God. I ask you that you would help us to be where peace needs to be made through the use of of the authority of the name of Jesus and the dispensing of peace and love in your nature where we go. Schools, business areas, neighborhoods, wherever. Cause us to see news 
um, clips that we need to see, that we can participate with you in prayer so that we are activated to do what we need to do on your behalf and in your name to dispense your will in the name of Jesus. Can you agree with me? Say amen. Praise God. Well, God bless you. God bless America. Amen. Wasn't that excellent? Patsy, you've always been good, but that's the best I've ever heard you. You're getting better with age. <laughs> Let's hope that's true of all of us. Amen. Amen. Let's say a prayer before we go. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would quicken us by the Holy Ghost, that we would be doers of the words that we've heard, that we would be diligent in our prayers for this country prayers for the leaders of this nation, our prayers for the people of this nation, the people that you care about. Father, I pray that we would be diligent in taking the authority that you've given us. In the name of Jesus, from the right hand of the Father, seated with him in heavenly places, that that would be our position to pray. And that we would realize that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world even the one that's stirring up racial disunity in this country, even the one that's behind all the civil unrest and the even greater things that look to be coming. But in the name of Jesus, we would realize that the greater one, greater than those powers, dwells in us and that we would utilize the power that we've been given to live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We ask these things by the Holy Ghost, the greater one, in Jesus' precious name. Can you agree with that? Amen. Amen. Well, Patsy mentioned what? Huh? You'll wait till I'm done. <laughs> then she'll fix everything that I have done. Patsy mentioned uh, prayer school at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Patsy's going to be leading us in prayer. She's going to be leading prayer school. So we hope you come back to be with us for that. And then at 6 o'clock, Tony will be ministering in healing school. Tony's got a special anointing to minister to the sick, so we know you'll be blessed by that. So we'll turn you loose. checking. Uh, he'll want me to say this. Um, just watch. Um, there was a little bit of a mix-up. He didn't know this. There was a little bit of a mix-up with Tony and Patsy's materials, and so it did not make it here today. And I know you were really blessed, and so you'll want to... I think Patsy has... She's got a book out on prayer and some new... Do you have a new book or new CDs? CDs on prayer and some different things as well. But Tony, you kept all yours in Australia? Okay, so you can't get anything of Tony. Oh, only some. Okay. But anyway, we'll have those materials here then for the next few weeks. So we just wanted to let you know that. Is that okay? So what are they supposed to do? Just wait till next week. Okay. 
So you interrupted me this week so that I tell the people to wait till next week. I'm glad she did that. Amen. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. God bless you. Have a great day and we'll see you this evening.